Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. This episode is brought to you by MeisterTask, intuitive task management for teams. Learn more at MeisterTask.com. My guest this week is Merlin Mann. Uh, if you haven't heard of him, he's a podcaster, a man about the internet, and a devastatingly handsome provocateur. Oh my How's gosh. it going? Huh. Better now. <laughs> Ooh, <wow. laughs> Ooh, I need to fan myself. Thank you. Thank you, Brett. It's nice to be back. I, I enjoy your program, and I enjoy being on your program. I, uh, I like to start on a high note so it can just go downhill. I think a lot of people of my age are immune to compliments and being buttered up, but I am not. I, I don't even care if it's sincere. I'll just, it just makes me a little happier for a minute. Yeah. I, yeah. I, as long as you are appreciative of it, uh, people who receive compliments all the time and then just uh, that becomes normal and they never, I don't know, it doesn't affect them anymore. That's what I It's worry. a social lubricant. I mean, if you ever meet somebody and you want to make a good impression but don't really care about having a relationship, a really easy way is to say, wait a minute, did you post that? Did you post that funny thing on Instagram? Was that you? <laughs> like, yeah, it was totally me. Oh my God, that's great that you know me. Yeah, that was great. That was a really funny sign. That was the sign you put up was really funny. That's really good. Okay, anyway, go, go get a refill. See you later. <laughs> so uh, anyone who listens to the show regularly has probably noticed that it's been uh, off for a couple of weeks unexpectedly. Well, you and, alternate, don't you? Well, no, I, I'm back to a... a an hour format every week, uh, at least with systematic, uh, overtired with Christina has been spotty and she just took a new job with Microsoft. Well, she's busy. Yeah. Right. So I'm giving her a month before I even ask if she, uh, if she's going to be able to fit it in anymore. I'm hoping so. I think she's going to be actually have more time now. Uh, I think Seattle's less, less, uh, busy than New York for her. So anyway, the reason I was actually off was I've been doing an interview in small chunks with a woman who, when I started it, was in uh, Michigan visiting, and now she is back home in Kenya. And I don't know what you've heard about Kenyan Wi-Fi, but it is everything that you've heard. Uh, oh my goodness! Oh, I, I, I see what you're saying. So you've been trying to interview somebody. You started it in Michigan. Now back in, so you can't wrap that thing up until you get a decent connection, and that's, well, that's tough. Is uh, that it? So it's been like uh, we've been able to get 15 minutes because the cyber cafe she has to travel to, and it's a trek. Uh, it, the hours where she can get it the most quiet are right before rush hour. And I, I don't remember what city, but uh, rush hour is a lot of, we'll say, motorcycles, livestock, yelling. Oh, uh, my gosh. It, <laughs> so you really got, you got to thread a needle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I have to deal with distortion and uh, no access to decent microphones. So we're doing the whole thing with her on uh, like uh, earbuds with the inline mic. You're kidding. So this is a challenge. And you're you're doing been... podcasts. You're doing podcasts in difficult mode. <laughs> <laughs> I needed a new challenge, you know. You sure did. <laughs> now, is she using Skype? Yeah. Okay. As yeah. terrible as Skype is, it's still the best. And it's it is surprisingly resilient in lots of situations, but that's asking an awful lot of every part of that stack. <laughs> well, and and then you'll find that the 
the people running the internet cafe uh, do not are not what Americans would consider technically savvy. Um, hmm. So when you ask them to you know turn off the camera to save bandwidth, they uh, they'll stick tape over the camera lens, and oh, eventually you know there's enough of a language barrier for me that I just say okay fine we'll, we'll work with it. It's, you know, it's like they say in Les Mis, this is a factory, not a circus. It's a, it's a cafe in Kenya, right? It's not a podcast studio. They're, they're doing right. the best they can. But it's also a really heavy podcast. Like she, it's apparently like common practice for them to, if a woman leaves a marriage, it's kind of common practice for her ex-husband to deface her, deform her oh, so dear. that she can't marry again. Oh my so goodness. So she had a bucket of hydrochloric acid dumped over her head. Uh, like he sent a, a, a henchman to, uh, she's extremely scarred and, um, and she is also, she's a lawyer oh my and, God. uh, and so she's working with the legal system to try to, you know, find justice for her, but also for women in Kenya. So it's a heavy podcast and I didn't like, I had it slated to be like the one, two weeks ago and now it's, it's taking forever. So anyway, that's, I can't, I can't, I can't wait to hear that. My God. I mean, I, I, it's I horrible, Merlin, but I mean, though. hey, you know, I'm here in a pinch. You, yeah. you know, what time and what do I wear? That's what I always say. You I, are I the finally... one. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You're the one guest who I can depend on to, to say yes and show up. I try not to tap you really? too often for that. Oh, you but... can, you can, you should have me on more often. I mean, as much as your listeners can tolerate, but I, uh. <laughs> You know, there's a thing I like to say on the Back to Work program, and uh, my friend Max Temkin makes fun of me for saying this all the time, but I think there's a big difference between being busy and being time-constrained. Like, being time-constrained is a fact of life, not to talk about productivity, but being time-constrained is a fact of life for almost everybody. But I think in some cases, uh, especially as an ongoing condition, one has options about how actually busy one wants to be. Uh, not always. I mean, not always. I'm I'm in a very lucky, very privileged situation in a lot of ways, but... My, you know, my closest faint to what some people call lifestyle design is like, well, I need, you know, I need to participate in stuff with the house and with my kid. And like, I, you know, that's the thing I can, won't cancel, can't cancel. Like I need to pick her up from camp today or I guess they'll like feed her to the wolves and I need to be there. So that means I can't have other stuff. So I, I, as much as that sounds like a, that's fine for Merlin thing. And it probably is. I think it's really advantageous for all of us to ask when we are busy versus when we are mostly time constrained. Do you see talking, a distinction at all? Do you absolutely. see a distinction in that? I was talking to a recent guest about this, and uh, uh, they like we we decided that uh, being busy. Actually, I was on someone else's podcast, but we we decided mm -hmm. that being busy was either you know like your own error or it was just a bragging point. People, it can oh, be. There's I'm busyness. Super busy. <laughs> well, I think there's a distinction. It's almost like in um, like a health condition. Something there's chronic conditions and there's acute conditions. I'm talking on my butt a little bit here, but like you know, having a the common cold is an acute condition. In that, like you will start to get sick, you will get sick, you will be sick, and then God willing, you will eventually get better in like you know one to two weeks, usually something like that. Whereas something like I don't know, I guess like diabetes, RSI, there's other kinds of things that are like chronic conditions. I think everybody gets acutely busy. 
I think at a certain point you need to ask yourself why you are chronically busy. Like if there's a death in the family, if you have an earthquake, like there's stuff that's going to happen that just upends the apple cart. It's just, do you want to live in a constant state of upturned apple cart? And sometimes you have to, but like that generates a lot of stress because you'll never know relief. You'll never seek uh, a way out because that seems normal. Maybe that seems productive. Like maybe if you're not busy all the time and you're not running around and stressed out, maybe the demon dogs start barking a little louder than you'd like. Maybe you need that busyness. So I just think, I think it's valuable because the thing is when you get busy, when the world makes you busy, it's going to help to realize what your time constraints are. Because your time constraints now, your real thing is like you got to move this, these rocks around to create this certain path. And like when you when you really get good and effing busy, like it's going to be really valuable to know what you need to not be busy about right now. And the only way to do that is to start saying like, well, how normal is this day that I'm having? And, you know, what can I do to engineer if this is the way I want to live? <laughs> you do what I do and just quit your corporate job. Stop yeah. taking freelance work and just start having people pay you for doing what you wanted to do. That's one way. It's, That's kind of what you did, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's nothing I would recommend. It's yeah, like, no, it's like everybody it is a, going it's like it's like proposal. every single all of my friends with all of their podcasts, like to a person, there's at least one person on every show I listen to. It feels like who's like, yeah, I installed um, iOS 11 developer beta one on my iPad, and it is terrible. This is this is like last week. The two is way better, but anyway, the first one they're like, oh my god, this is terrible. Do not do this. You can Jason Snell it and go, well, I have to do this because this is what I do for a living. Or you're Mike Hurley, and you're like, you can't wait. Of course, you're Federico. You've got to do it. But every single one of them like is like, oh my god, I almost broke my device. I get about half the battery life out of it. Um, do not do what I have done. And it's you know, you're like, okay, you know, it's like. <laughs> Like my teeth rotted, honey. So make sure you brush yours. <laughs> but you know what? I got a new iPad and I put uh, Beta Two on it. <laughs> well, so there, I mean, there you is know. something to say about people who are willing to make mistakes for you, so you don't have to. Oh no, no, I'm, 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 I'm revealing several funny things here. Which is, you know, first of all, I listen to way too many podcasts, and second of all, a lot of them are podcasts where it's people's job to talk about this technology or their their choice. You know, what, what is your job really? Well, your job in that case is what you make it, but that's what you decided to do. But I'm just trying to cite that as an example of one of those funny things. Like, you know, it's always the most sleep deprived people that are telling you to get more sleep and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> it was really important to get good sleep. Believe me, I know. <laughs> don't do what I do. Don't stay up all night writing about getting better sleep. <laughs> I don't know if you ever listened to Overtired, but... Um... That was for a long time. That was kind that was, of the, that was the theme, right? Is that you're right. up anyway? We might as well do a show, right? But then I I started sleeping, and I don't know that I'll I'll keep the name, but yeah, it's uh, now I now I feel comfortable espousing the benefits of sleep. Yeah, it's so it's so boring. Like so many things we talk about here are so interesting to me and so boring to other people. Like you know things like like markdown and sleep. And dogs, like probably really boring to a lot of but people. That's the beauty of the internet. They don't have to listen to it. Yes, there, they do. There are do. a lot a lot of I people do. who do find it fascinating. I'm very disappointed with what you do or don't like about Apple. See, I, I why can't you I, think like me? You think so I'm not close so to how famous. I famous. Like people don't put <laughs> people don't come to listen to me just for me. They come because they're interested in what I'm talking about. So I don't have to deal with the complaint emails much. Oh, listen to you. Damning yourself with faint praise. But um, 
yeah, I don't know. Dumb, maybe a dumb distinction, but I think it's I think it's a valuable distinction. But anyway, the point is, given that, yes, I'm happy to uh, be here as often uh, as you want. So, do you ever go back and read your 42 folders post? No. Yeah, that makes no. sense. Like I, I I don't go back and read anything I've written in the last 10 years. But what? So, like you came onto my radar, and I think most people's radar as kind of the the GTD productivity guy. Hmm? Uh, I think that's true. And, that that and MacBreak Weekly. Inbox lot, zero guy. I'm still realizing how many people first heard heard of me through MacBreak Weekly, which continue, I don't say it surprises me. It just still I'm still like, wow, that's super interesting. Like I do a podcast with somebody who was like a teenager listening to that show, and it's just kind of a mind boggler. But yeah, absolutely. That was the first it went kind of quickly um from like this fairly obscure the Venn diagram for like what my site did was so strange, right? There weren't that many sites about productivity. There weren't that many sites about Mac stuff. And having those two things together was was the reason I made it is because it didn't exist. You know, I needed it for myself, but no, no, I don't really, I, I'm not like, I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, I'm proud, happy, glad. I still get really nice emails about it. I just, I just met this really nice guy the other night at um, this comic meetup we do a few times a year. And he's this like, pretty famous guy who started a skateboard company here in San Francisco and he was super nice and was unbelievably um, gracious about saying how much like he just came to this thing by himself and he's like this kind of a big shot guy and he was like very gracious about how much he felt like that stuff helped him and like I will never get sick of hearing that as you know I'm not immune to compliments um but yeah, no, I don't know. I just, it's, it's, I'm glad I did it, but like, I, I'm also glad to have productivity as a vocation behind me in a lot of ways. So, but, but you immediately took this conversation to productivity. So I'm curious, like, uh, what's changed over the years as far as the kind of advice you would give people since oh, like yeah. those days? That's a, that's a really, actually a pretty good question because, uh, parts changed a lot. Parts changed a little uh, and I, I don't want to rehash too much old stuff, but I did reach a certain a kind of a awkward turning point with the website where on the one hand, I, I, I worried about my own, I mean, I wanted to be helpful to people, but I also knew that in order to do this as a job, I had to post a lot of stuff. And I, whether it was from others or mostly myself, I felt more and more pressure to post lots of things. And then that started to really bug me is this too old to talk about no okay and then and i started to really get concerned that it wasn't wholesome for the audience or myself particularly for the audience and i started to wonder or worry or reckon that there were elements of productivity as a hobby that work across purposes with getting things accomplished and you know there's all kinds of ways you can see that. There's all kinds of ways. There's funny little inflection points where you, you do things like, okay, I'm going to get organized. I'm going to go buy a bunch of plastic buckets to put things in. I'm going to set up my GTD system. I'm going to update my GTD system. Nothing against uh, GTD. But like in any of those ways, it, it can become an attractive nuisance where you get more involved in the mechanics and the adrenaline jolt of consuming that stuff. Like if, you, if all you do is watch Top Chef and never cook anything, well, you're somebody who watches TV. Not not to be, you know, uh, not to diminish anybody's interest, but as long as you know you're watching it just because you like to see, like, Tom Colicchio looking all coked out, like, that's fine. But, like, just don't imagine that's the same thing, let alone being a TV critic who now considers themselves a food critic because they've watched so many Top Chef. And so in that instance, like, it was a difficult uh, 
thing to do because it affected, I feel like it did affect my um, income, I guess, right? If you post less, you get fewer views. But, um, and then that, that kind of led to this whole larger thing of like the whole like productivity industry and the whole self-help. There's so many, I thought there were charlatans then. There's so many charlatans now. There's so many people out there, you know, these, these people who are, there's, it's just all these new kinds of snake oil based on people's personalities. And I just thought it was gross. Podcasts are easy to do. They're fun to do. I love listening to them. So at least for now, it does feel wholesome. I know it's not as even vaguely as substantial probably as writing something, but a whole other topic I think would be interesting to talk about is like the future of writing, especially the future of writing on the web. Because yeah. my goodness, uh, it's certainly not a job that I would start at this point. <laughs> well, so f to me, like hearing someone talk on a podcast, it's generally more uh, stream of consciousness than you would ever put into a written piece. And One hopes. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. As a result, though, it is more real. Uh, you know, someone could say, let's take me as an example, because I know what I'm talking about in that case. Um, someone could be good at understanding the concepts behind productivity. I... I'm good at understanding the concepts behind like automation and programming and uh, to some extent productivity. And I write articles, but those articles take a lot of fact checking and research for me. Let's make sure this actually works in edge cases. Right. If I'm talking on a podcast, I, I don't have that liberty, which means I'm actually I'm actually talking about what I know, not what research I can pull together. And it's a right. very different kind of um, a situation in general, I think. I, I, I consider them very separate forms of expression. I think leaving behind writing and going into podcasting is a, a major shift. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 very, it's very, very different. But also, I want to say this in the most respectful way that I can. Um, the shift from... This is going to sound so silly to anybody my age, probably. But the 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 kind of writing that <clears throat> that I would sweat uh, ten, say eight to ten years ago, versus a lot of like what you see now. I mean, for example, again with respect, like uh, every, I'm usually on the public beta for iOS, but like right now, just because you know I'm an idiot, I'm on the um, developer beta. And anytime a new update for iOS comes out, I could do I go to Google and I say whatever iOS, you know, 10.2 public beta. And then there's always these these same three or four sites at the top of the uh returns. And I don't know why I click, but I do. I click and it's been some little dot update and basically it says, <clears throat> you know, a 10. Point 2.9 is now out, you know, in beta has came out yesterday. Uh, the features that we know are in there are these things that we pulled out of the keynote, uh, and uh, you know we'll let you know more as we know more. So like, there's like four people or four bots that took the time to put that together. Absolutely zero density of content. It's basically just it's a way of having a page for you to land on, and I, I don't mean to criticize that because I know it's a tough racket, but very decompressed information light kind of writing. There's still a lot of great people writing about technology, writing about politics, but it is, it is a lot of work to do that well. And I, I worry that the audience's interest in the best and brightest of that kind of writing is not where it was, that 
most people are pretty satisfied with these um, mills of content that put up bulleted lists, which, you know, I'd like to think that I was one of the first assholes who complained about that 12 years ago. Uh, that was, I was way on the forefront of complaining about listicles um, and, and ways to turbocharge your site. But that's, that would be a tough racket to get into right now. That, that is a young person's game. And the, the way that things like revenue um, work today, I mean, there's, there's a part of me that still wonders if we've been living in a pyramid scheme for the last few years. Because, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the, yeah. like the way that a startup, <clears throat> a lot of startups, can expend a huge amount of money on something that actually costs a lot more than it looks like with the idea of driving out competition. And then you're like, then you're like Wile E. Coyote, like running in the air and you're like, well, <laughs> now what are we going to do? <laughs> if people have ad blockers, people don't see our ads. And so what does that mean? Well, I don't know. I don't know. But, but you know, between the pressures economically and the pressures from an attention standpoint in the audience, I mean, even just, just for me with Apple stuff, there's a reason Macworld doesn't exist anymore. And part of it is that, part of it is that you know, Apple has a Macworld thousands of times a day, as they said, as Steve <laughs> undecorously said on stage, we have a Macworld thousands of times a day all over the world in these stores that we made. But it's also that there aren't that many people that self-identify as nerd enthusiasts anymore, right? You think so? I feel well, like that's finally actually a mainstream thing. I suppose so, but there was a time when, and I don't mean to sound like I'm pining for this because I'm absolutely not, but there was a time when being an Apple user <clears throat> in general, a Mac user in particular, was a real, you know, weird kind of outsider, rich boy design guy kind of thing. If you want to get serious work done, you had to have a PC. It started to feel like you had to find common cause with other people who liked Mac stuff like you did. You ain't got to do that anymore. In fact, there aren't even that many people that are into the Mac. But how about that? How about, <laughs> how about your iPhone is just your phone now? And, you know, I mean, as great as stuff like Workflow is for folks like us, I mean, you know, this is something Marco talked about on ATP. Like, you know, it's funny. Like, <clears throat> I, I get just enough of those marketing notifications from apps that it makes me really mad and I want to, like, yell about it. But, like, go look at any normal person's phone. You go pick up a normal person's phone. Their whole screen is full of marketing push notifications. Like, they're living in a different world than I am. So, anyway, you know, so what am, what am I, in that case, if, assuming this is something where I'd like to be able to make money, like, wh what am I going to write about? Who's it for? It's, am I going to go on Medium? You guys, do a you guys post on Medium? Like, I don't know. I mean... You know, folks like you and me are, are fortunate to find, when you can find it, to find a very narrow slice of the pie that enjoys what you do more than seems even likely or sane. And if you can maintain that, that's that's good. But, uh, you know, it would be a pretty tough racket to start out in. Yeah. Oh, I, I, have, I have said that exact same thing. So 11 years ago, when, uh, I think it was about 11 years ago, when I, when I first started writing for Tua, one of the first things I decided was, I wasn't going to do news posts. I didn't want to do those. Let's just put something out so that we're first to press with this information. Mm -hmm. Like I only wanted to write reviews and things that I had actual like developed opinions on. I did not want, I didn't want both the stress and the kind of dirty feeling of just shooting something out, being like always at my computer with my RSS reader up, just trying to be the first person to get the news out. Well, it's like trying to get it's like trying stopped. to get uh, baseball scores into the newspaper faster. And I say <laughs> that very specifically because you know, 
famously for for at least centuries, your source of printed news becomes vastly less valuable the second the next issue of it comes out, whether that's a monthly, weekly, or daily, or, you know, back when I was a kid, you'd have a paper a couple times a day. The thing is, like, the need to have a paper copy of what yesterday's baseball score is, is, that's going to be a a tough, that's, it's going to be tough finding a place for that today, because there are so many different places to get it. But isn't that part of what you're describing, though? Like, if it's WWDC, it's all hands on deck to get as many articles as we can out there. I mean, it seems like, See, I think I'm more, I'm more does that, but they do it pretty well. Like I'm they more cover, does a great job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I wish somebody would just give them a grant and let them write the things that they want to write. Cause I would just love to see Renee doing nothing but writing what he wants to write. But my goodness, he works so hard, the whole group. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like in that case, they're frequently one of the top results for me, probably because I, I'm guessing Google realizes I click on it a lot. But, you know, you think about the amount of effort that goes into reporting on something. My running bit and I try not to be as much of a dick about this anymore because I'm trying to evolve as a person. But it's always hilarious to me when everybody, like there's a cycle that goes on with podcasts and, and articles where it's like, there's the rumors, then you get past the rumors and you get to the like, ooh, now what, what do we think will be announced? What do we hope will be announced? Let's have some shows about that. Then you got your coverage, maybe the same day. And then you've got, here's our first opportunity to work with all of these things. And those are all, can be super interesting things depending on who's doing it. But like everybody's doing that because if you're a fan in general of what that show does, you're not going to miss that episode. And maybe you get some traction. Maybe you get some new listeners from that. But like those particular episodes mainly come to exist as a curiosity in some ways. For me to go back and listen to, say, a MacBreak Weekly from, say, 10 years ago uh, about, the, you know, about the iPhone being released, which I think we did live on stage, that would be so weird for me to go back and listen to. And why would I be doing it? Nostalgia and as a curiosity. Like, would I really want to know what my uninformed hot takes on the new smartphone are? <laughs> Like, who cares? <laughs> Got my first hands-on experience with the phone. <laughs> it's like, but like, you know, and so, yeah, I'm being a little bit fancy here, but like, I think there is a way to write, you know, we, we were talking just a little bit before we started recording about the kind of things to talk about. There's a lot of things right now that I'm super interested in that are not there yet, but feel very much like the direction things are going. And to me, like when I listen to other people talk about that, not just being some kind of fruity, fake futurist with a lot of guesses, but talking about like, and again, beyond criminology, but getting down deeper into like, how is this changing the way that we live? And how is this changing the way that we think? And if this thing is going to be the future, why are we talking about that more and what that means for us? Like those kinds of conversations about the impacts of technology are some of my most favorite things that could be somebody like James Burke, right? It could be somebody, you know, like, like Cosmos, but like those kinds of things have through my whole life have been very thought provoking to me. I can go back and watch the day the universe changed or connections from the 1970s and it still blows my mind. He's talking about technology, the influences of technology over centuries and millennia. And that is still just a guy in a leisure suit, like walking around England, is still fascinating because it all still has an impact on how we think. If he had gone super deep on what this particular Pitney Bowes postage printing machine did in 1978, I don't think I'd be streaming that from Plex today. Right. Yeah. I. So the, the interesting thing to me about like people who wanted to start writing that kind of thing today is if you don't already have a voice... There are the competition is so noisy 
And the like you said with ad blockers and everything, the idea of making a paycheck dealing with that kind of stress is increasingly diminishing. Yeah. Uh, when I started tech blogging, it it wasn't hard to to put out content that that drew traffic, and the key was getting linked by people like you and people like Gruber who, you know, saw a gem in what you wrote. And that would bring enough traffic and my audience built very quickly. And then, uh, like now, I, I, have enough, I have enough of an audience that if I run an ad, it makes enough money to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine, if I were starting today, I can't imagine building an audience large enough to pay my bills, especially with like a medium post. Oh, we're not. Yeah, exactly. You hit it. We're not even getting into medium Facebook. Um, really, Twitter to some extent, but maybe because I use Twitter and still kind of like it. But I don't I have a Facebook account that exists mainly to log into things when I have to use a Facebook account. But like it just it seems like at least last time I checked, the conventional wisdom was that those sort of portal everything sites are where so many people get their information nowadays, you know, and uh yeah, the medium thing has always been mysterious to me, I have to be honest. But, you know, it, it, to go and, like, say, I'm going to go start a WordPress site, and you have to be a very exceptional person. You still get those sorts of people. You still get, like, you know, something like the oatmeal in, in terms of, like, you know, again, you know, humor and arch social analysis, or you get somebody like Ben Thompson. Like, Ben Thompson was like a Latter-day Andy Bayo. He some, seemed to just, and you, to some extent, like, just seemed to, like, Ben just came out of nowhere. Like, and suddenly everybody was talking about Ben's stuff because... He talked so fast and he was so smart and he seemed so penetrating in his analysis of so many things. He kind of felt like the way Clay Shirky is about like internet culture and tech life, like that was him with, that was Ben with ecosystem. So those kinds of folks do come along for sure, but it, it really does. I don't know how much that's the future. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Things are definitely changing. Nobody, so, so few people, this is something I've been, you know, leaning on for years and I'm, I'm open to being wrong about it, but I think, I think a really, a big change, this has always been true to some extent, but you think about, uh, you know, something like, let's go back even to the Beatles, something that existed in my lifetime. You go back to the Beatles and no, there were very few, I bet there were very few mentally and emotionally healthy people who thought that writing a letter to the Beatles made them maybe at least super fans or possibly like low scale contributors to like what they were doing. You'd be mental to think that. But today, if you follow somebody on Twitter and start writing, like the tooting at them a lot or Facebooking at them a lot or Instagramming up, oh, you obey, you are everything today. And you start doing that all the time. You feel like you're on the freaking board of directors for those people. You feel like you own some penny stock in that celebrity just by virtue of the fact that you're being do you are you a fan well you're kind of a fan are you a super fan man i don't know i'd also do fan fiction and have a deviant art site you know like we watched a, <laughs> a, a wonderful jonathan colton video last night for that song shop vac that i think a fan made it's just all done with beautiful like animated typography so in that jonathan's case that person's really helping like contribute to, to their to their oeuvre but we're starting with the point of going like why would i just go read some stranger's website like, I've got my own social media domain to maintain over here. Like, why would I start reading somebody's WordPress site about Max? That's, <laughs> that's, that's going to be a pretty, pretty big ask, as they say. These so days. Facebook is the Walmart of local economies. 
in many ways, yeah. I mean, the, the big box stores. Well, the you know, and what are like the what are the three big parts? Like at least the you know the, the big box comes into town, right, and draws a lot of attention. The big box slowly starts making it very well, intentionally or otherwise makes it very difficult for other people um, to compete. And then, of course, after a certain amount of time, Big Box leaves town, and now there's nothing left, and it's just right. a hollow shell. Yeah, <laughs> with the place that used to be a Walmart. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it it. I think the economies are very similar, both in uh, inter- internet information and you know the current state of retail. There are a lot of parallels to draw there. And, but you know, there's there's people people in this country. I don't I don't want to get political, of course, but you know there are a lot of people in in, in this country, perhaps as much as thirty seven percent, who believe in a leader who's saying that he's going to bring back coal jobs, and you know <laughs> to use an old nerd phrase, that's so wrong it's not even right. There's no coal. Like, what are you going to bring back? It's like making a faster buggy whip. Like when even the wh- coal CEOs say um, no. The Coal Museum in Kentucky just installed solar because it's the only way they yep. can afford to stay exactly. open. Exactly, right? You've got that. You've got the fact that, like, uh, you hear these factoids now once a week about the size of the coal industry versus other things. Amazon acquires Whole Foods. Whole Foods reportedly and Arby's, two companies that employ about the same number of people as in the coal industry. <laughs> so, I mean, nothing. I mean, like, I'm not trying. My gosh, I sound so fancy, and I'm being unkind to these people who lost their career. I don't mean it that way. I mean, like, it's it's. It is. It's certainly at least interesting that there is somebody who's getting away with saying this patently untrue thing about the present and very much untrue about the future. But it's a comforting kind of untruth that makes helps our life make sense. And See, I, yeah. I'm I'm just interested in looking at the things where you go like, well, you know, maybe there's a reason these Macs don't have ports on them like I've expected. Am I thinking more about the past or am I thinking more about the future? Well, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. But like, let's let's figure that out. Can you? Are you just going to opt out of using your voice to control devices? Because I got a feeling in five years you're probably going to change your mind. Yeah. Well, and we've we've both been following tech for long enough to say, you know, when something comes out that everyone's up in arms over, mm-hmm. to say, hey, let's let's take a look at this because things it's are taking a while but eventually i came around to that yeah yeah so but yeah but you bring up you bring up an interesting point that was actually one of the first things i thought about when we talked about online writing is uh right now uh political writing is kind of where uh i would say tech writing was a decade ago <laughs> uh, right now right. yeah right writing an opinion uh gets you uh massive press if you write an opinion that intrigues and or comforts people uh reporting news reporting what happened in the white house today has never been as uh everything is salacious you know like every headline matters to a good number of people but there's some that are in a sweet spot where there are some kinds of things, and I'm going to pivot to making this about Mac stuff, as you'll see. But like that, you could write a headline that angers a lot of people, makes a lot of people laugh for whatever reason, and as you say, makes other people very comfortable. That same headline. Remember, you don't have one audience for that headline. And this is where I get back to the Mac stuff, because you remember, it became like this hilarious thing where you could get. There were a lot of big sites that learned that writing about Apple and Macs 
you know, it was the most one of the most reliable forms of clickbait because Apple fanboys like me would, of course, go and read it, whether it was good or bad. And people who hated Apple would read it, whether it was good or bad. Yep. Because everybody had their own hot take on how that was. So, I mean, that's like a four quadrant clickbait. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for real. Yeah. Uh, people, people, if I see a headline that I, I, that goes against what I believe to be true, I will go read it. You know, I'll be like, uh, I need to figure out how to dissect this argument. So, well, I think everyone deals with the fact that when you go to like a dinner with your parents, Mm -hmm. they're going to bring up headlines that they read on Facebook without reading the article. And uh, like that defines the conversation. So a lot of what I read on Facebook I do in preparation for the eventual conversations that are based more around <laughs> headlines than content. How's your batting average in uh, correcting this? Oh, I don't, I don't try to correct them. I try to defend my own points of view. I no right. longer attempt to change or prove wrong a lot of it. Uh, because especially with politics, it's to a point where it's feeling based. It's oh, no it, longer about yes. facts. Well, it's but it's also um, this is coming straight out of my ass. But like, it seems to me that one rhetorical or maybe life skill that a lot of uh, what we used to call conservative people have that what we now call liberal people don't <laughs> is to just merely keep asserting things. Yeah. To keep asserting something. And I'm not even going to say as fact. You can fill that part in if you want. But whether what whatever it is, to just keep asserting something and then asserting more and asserting more and so there's one rhetorical approach which is just constantly assert to to and to assert and to attack and then on the other side you get people like me here going well actually you know that's a that's a, a logical fallacy and you know your spelling was wrong and stuff like that and plus it's not true here's five articles about this and then they say well don't forget those articles that's all the mainstream media I'm, what I'm what I'm asserting to you is that if you eat this antelope horn every day you're going to get a giant wang and coal's going to come back and you're like I, that, I don't even know how to answer that and you're like yeah exactly because the truth hurts right whoa life comes at you fast <laughs> assert 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 and then again now I'm, I'm over here in a ball with my Robert's rule of order trying to make life make sense i have recently learned a lot about um the way that different personality types communicate and my like my fear reaction uh to something that is either unfamiliar or i believe to be untrue is to just start listing the facts that i can back up uh rapidly uh to a point where it's almost overwhelming to people who don't think the way i do Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have found that p- politics, political uh, alignments are greatly determined by personality type. And uh, my method of debating does not sit well with people of a different personality type and often a different political. No, you sound like you sound like um, rationality bot. Yeah. And they don't love that. And it doesn't change mm-hmm. anyone's mind. It makes them, you know, angry. Oh, it's it's just exhausting. <laughs> it is. It's exhausting. I, I, I mean, I, I'm still I'm still my wife and I were just saying this week, like I still feel like I still wake up and it's like at least at least twice a day I say I still can't believe this person 
has this job. Literally, like honestly, like it occurred. I see, I see him on TV making that little okay and, and pursing his mouth and saying something untrue, and I go, "This is really happening." Like it's, <laughs> it's been what has it been six, seven months <laughs> since yeah. he got elected, and I'm still, you know. You know, I'm going to end this, well, not end, it's your show, but I want to, I want to mention, so I mentioned this on Back to Work a while back, but like, um, I don't know, just to be a little bit encouraging, uh, I sometimes like that, uh, program Doctor Who and, and one of the things I've learned from the doctor that I don't always practice, but I have learned, it took me a while to even realize I'd learned it, but like one thing I love about the doctor is that he's rarely fearful. And when he is fearful, it's for a purpose. It's because he's usually trying to protect someone else. When he's when when the doctor is fearful, it's because there's some kind of situation that he needs to really figure out. He doesn't react. He's from Gallifrey, right? Like he doesn't react emotionally in the way that most people do. But but if there's one take home about that approach, it's to think about always trying to put curiosity well in front of fear. Or well in front of any other emotion, whether you, even if that's a positive emotion, but try to for a moment catch yourself and and whatever feeling you're feeling very very strongly right now, try to bring your heartbeat down a little bit and put curiosity in front of that, and not 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 to play devil's advocate because does the devil really need an advocate? But you know it's the devil. Like let's stop advocating for him. But in this instance, you know what I'm saying? Like when somebody makes you feel very emotional, especially fearful. Stop for a minute and try to just look at it the way he would look at an alien dinosaur and just say, look at you, beautiful. Aren't you a crazy and interesting creature for me to, to look at and think about? Let me figure out what I can be curious about before I decide what to accept as the thing I'm going to be fearful about. That's yeah. the doctor. That fits very well into what I've learned recently. Yeah, I, I will gladly admit that most of my life has not followed that kind of credo. Um <laughs> I'm, oh, basically, fear is all that holds me together. <laughs> that is, that is in my, uh, in my opinion and experience, that is the difference between conservative and liberal. Is is uh, angry versus fearful? <laughs> yeah, it it really is. Um, like how you make decisions is it based on curiosity or is it based on fear? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, it's nice to think. It's nice to think, but yeah. Yeah, so, everybody, everybody gets emotional. Before we switch modes, I I just started listening to Dubai Friday. Oh wow, thank you, man. And it is uh, the the three people involved are fantastic. Uh, Cards Against Humanity people uh, to kind of Max Temkin them. and Max Temkin and Alex Cox are their names. Who both people who I've loved following on Twitter, um, and but had never listened to Dubai Friday. I think. What what year did that start? Uh, last year? Uh, I think it started last year. We had done a podcast where I don't know I don't know how we ended up doing this, but we we uh, we all like uh, the the aforementioned Top Chef was one of the very few reality shows, definitely one of the few reality shows I watch, and it was one that all we found all three of us liked, and so we idiotically decided to do a podcast where we watched a season of Top Chef, which happened to be a terrible season of Top Chef. But we ended up really liking doing it together, and these funny little themes emerged. And we thought, well, I wonder, you know, let's let's do something else that's maybe not about a reality show. And so we started Dubai Friday, I think, last year. We're on episode, like, 30 right now. It's a weekly show mostly. And the idea is the, the basic premise is that every week one of the – we go in rotation, and every week one host challenges the other people or demands that the other people do something. 
And sometimes it's it's something like listening to an album or watching a movie. Sometimes it's uh, it, you know could be reading a book. Sometimes it's an experience thing. Like you've got to find the weirdest thing you could buy somebody on Amazon and have it delivered to them. And but you know in some ways it's. I'm carrying on, but it's so fun to do. They are such a delight. And it's it's a show that like maybe even more quickly than for me, You Look Nice Today, which seems impossible, quickly developed into its entire its own entire little world of of deeply layered references and in jokes. It's an insufferable show to listen to. But but the two of them are so funny and we end up, you know, <laughs> getting into anti Semitism and Alex Jones. <laughs> you know, and it's it's just a lot of fun to do. And then Max will read something about late capitalism for fifteen or twenty minutes and it's it's <laughs> it's a nice way to break up your week. As uh as a longtime fan of Cards Against Humanity and someone who has played many games and has pitched in on things like the uh I think it was the whole promotion you pay like five dollars. <laughs> And you they, they got some they got some construction equipment and as long as people donate not as long as people gave them money they would keep paying to dig a hole to see how big of a hole they could dig yeah and <laughs> and they they bought a castle in Ireland and and I paid for my wife to be the king of the castle for five 15 minutes but they, uh, they they mix it up they're such a weird company they they had one thing during the election where it was like you there's an extension pack for cards you could get the Hillary Clinton one you could get the Donald Trump one the theoretical idea being you're you're voting by buying right. that and then they did this wonderful video for it and it there's like and at the end we will count up all the results and then give all of the money to Hillary Clinton <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump is a large man who lives in a golf course <laughs> I so greatly appreciate both of their sense of humor like the entire company uh that I honestly $15 to donate to what is essentially a joke. Yeah, right. I'm totally right. in on in a way that I wouldn't be with many other people. Yeah. I appreciate you listening. It's it's certainly not for everybody, but Well, it's uh, an amazing format too. Like the challenge idea. Like the three of you together could just talk. Like you could you could make an entertaining have, podcast. It helps to have a hook. It helps to have something to hang it on. If you just start it's again, it's the specificity, right? Like if you just start, we're going to do your podcast about movies. Oh, really? Any chance you're going to talk to one or two other guys on that show? Yeah. We're going to talk about movies. Like, wow. Finally, my hero. Finally, finally, two or three guys are going to talk about movies. And you're like, instead, like come up with something crazy. The, the McElroy brothers. I've never listened to them. I've always admired them, but they finally have made a podcast that made me listen to them. And I hope they keep doing it. Have you heard the McElroy brothers will be in trolls too? No. And it's basically just them sitting around, apparently super high, just to, <laughs> just course. announcing over and over again that they will be in Trolls 2, the next <laughs> animated movie. And sometimes they slip into, we're trying to get into Trolls, like a typical stoner <laughs> thing. But but they then they keep pulling back to this same phrase, the McCoy brothers will be in Trolls 2. And then they, they, they have a phone call with their agent, and the agent's like, this is a terrible, please stop telling people to contact the Trolls people. <laughs> And but like stuff like that, like gets super duper specific, like 95 percent of the world is not going to be into it. But like if I say, oh, this is a show where we shocked each other with bracelets or my friend sent me some ladybugs like that, that's hard to explain. But if you like the voices, you know, you show up. It's a very weird show. Yeah. I'm glad you listen. I listen to so many podcasts. It's like it's bad. Like too many podcasts. See, I don't. Yeah. You're smart. So- you got stuff to do. You got yoga. You got a dog. You got things to do. <laughs> You're busy. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about this modern era where He's being focused on family or 
exercise or things like that seems um so selfish yeah like, you're not participating. <laughs> why, aren't, why aren't you sad and angry and watching pharma commercials on fucking M- MSNBC? Why aren't you sad like me, dick? Yeah. I've given up censoring this podcast. Like, I'm not oh, even adding shit, a dog. marker. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm... <laughs> no, I've, I've, honest, I'm so I've, sorry. I've, I'm I've trying to... Up. You know what? I'm trying to stop cursing. I have to stop it. It's not good. It's, I've got to stop it, but I enjoy it so much, and I'm so good at it sometimes you know it's like it doesn't seem fair to the audience honestly i started overtired because i needed i needed a place i could swear yeah um i swear all day long it is i i enjoy creative swearing i like gotta stop like like, like, again swearing like a scotsman right Mm mm-hmm yeah that was a whole challenge you had to learn how to you had to learn how to swear like you're from scotland because they the scots they can swear my that video, I, I I don't remember if it was Irish the or Scottish, the roof? but the, the no the guy <laughs> trying to talk to Siri when she oh, first came in the, out in the elevator. That yeah, <laughs> or there's the one there's the one where the guys two guys the Scottish guys are trying to get the voice activated elevator to work. <laughs> there's one where this guy's stuck on a roof and his friends are like are are harassing him and it's so freaking. I'll find it for notes. All right, so Did you want to talk about something you like? We should talk. We, yeah, we, it's time for top three picks. I am going to take a quick sponsor break right here. Have you ever used MeisterTask? No, I haven't. I, I, I've gotten, I'm real Luddite with tasks these days. But tell me about MeisterTask. Yeah, so this episode of Systematic is brought to you by MeisterTask, a project management app from MeisterLab, who also happened to make MindMeister, my favorite collaborative mind mapping app. MeisterTask combines simple, intuitive task management with powerful integrations and task automations. Best of all, this tool is gorgeous, which makes working with it actually enjoyable. Since its launch in 2015, MeisterTask has already grown a cult following among developers, designers, and other creatives. It's quickly turning into a major competitor in this arena. MeisterTask is web-based with additional apps for Windows, Android, Mac, and iOS. The sleek, gorgeous design of its iPhone and iPad apps has landed it multiple features in the App Store, where it was named one of the best apps of 2015. Using MeisterTask, teams organize and manage tasks in a customizable environment that perfectly adapts to their needs. Project boards can be set up and modified to support software sprints, Kanban boards, funnels, and many other agile workflows, making them suitable for any department and industry. Each team member gets a personalized dashboard with an overview of their open tasks, track time, and notifications from other team members, keeping them always up to date. Managers can easily automate recurring steps using section actions, giving you consistent project management so you can work more efficiently. Section actions can do things like automatically move tasks to other projects, assign them to the right team member, or notify individual team members about new tasks. With the new Project Groups feature, Users can say goodbye to cluttered dashboards and enjoy a refined project list sorted into flexible groups in whatever way is most intuitive for their workflow. MeisterTask is easily integrated with the apps and platforms that teams already use and love, such as Slack, Zendesk, GitHub, and more than 500 other tools. There's support for the time tracking and invoicing tool Harvest, so teams can track time and store it in their Harvest account without leaving their project boards. There's even an API for developers to add any integration they need. MeisterTask offers a free plan with unlimited tasks, projects, and collaborators, and up to two integrations. MeisterTask Pro is available for as low as $750 per user per month, 
and offers unlimited integrations and section actions, as well as customization options, project groups, and access to the statistics and reports area, giving managers insight into their team's productivity and track time. Visit MeisterTask.com today to try it out for free and see how MeisterTask can supercharge your team's productivity. All right, so that brings us to the top three picks. Top um, three. Pew, pew, pew. Back and forth, one at a time. You get to go first. Jeez, I don't know. These are so lame. Um, okay. You know, there's one I... You know what? Okay, all right. I'm taking off just press record. Everybody knows about that. Um, Nebo. Nebo. Nebo is an iPad app. I think I learned about it from Federico Vitici. And then... I can't decide if this feels like the past for the future or the future, except in as much as it feels like magic. Uh, Nebo is an app where, like a lot of notes apps, you create a page, you can draw on it, but you can use your handwriting with an Apple Pencil. It is Apple Pencil only, basically. So you start writing in your handwriting, even with atrocious, atrocious hand, handwriting like mine. Uh, it you write right in there. I don't know how how useful this will be. They may suffer with the additions to Notes in iOS 11, which already will now do a lot of this. But if you're looking to try something right now and you have an Apple Pencil and are looking for a way to use it, try it. Nebo, N-E-B-O. Uh, and so you start you start writing, and unlike most apps, it isn't just findable. You can it, you can click. Basically, every it's almost like PageMaker. You create a box for text. You, that because something that becomes a box. Here's this drawing. Here's a um, a diagram, like an um, like a very simplified omnigraphical style. Like you could do a flowchart and stuff. But like, let's say you've just written a paragraph. You click, and it identifies that as a paragraph. You click convert, and it turns it all into actually typewritten text. And it's just a really if you like those kind of like wowie zowie, what does the future look like kind of apps? Uh, I would say check out Nebo. N e b o. I'm looking at the the landing page for iTunes, and it does calculations. Oh, like yeah. Like, you can write out <laughs> formulae. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily, like, probably a Dr. Drang-level thing. I'll type this into you. There's a, there's a toot from earlier this month of what it looks like in action. Stuff like, so you, you basically, it provides these lines, like kind of like uh, wide-ruled paper, maybe a little bigger lines. Just right inside those two horizontal lines, it'll know what it is. Under, under, uh, do a big swishy underline across once. That's an H2. Two across is an H1. Uh, I don't think it does mark, export to markdown right now but maybe it will someday. You do draw a box around something, it highlights it. You start drawing little dots, it understands that those are bullets and makes it into a bulleted list. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. Have you, uh, I don't know where Evernote's handwriting recognition is these days, but that was one of the things that got me to start using it initially. I think what it is is, I, I could be wrong, you need to double check on this. I think what happens is, if you have the Evernote Advanced Pro demo account, uh, CS, you get, you get the consonants are included. But if you upgrade for an extra $2.40 twice a week, then you get the, the pro development account, and then you get the, the vowels that it will recognize. <laughs> you can use that on up to, up to, up to one device. <laughs> it's, not, it's really not... It's, people make it sound complicated. It's not actually that complicated, Brett. <laughs> All right. Person's got to eat. <laughs> oh. That's that's the future of the the web is paying for for vowels. <laughs> that's true. What is that? Wheel of Fortune? Is that where they do that? <laughs> I'd like to buy a vowel. Um, Nebo, that is mine. What is yours? What is your uh, recommendation number one? I I would say I, 
so in the uh, the systematic Slack room, Carly Knight pointed me to the history of rock and roll in ten songs. Uh, it's I oh, I have to look up who actually wrote this, but the audiobook is read by Henry Rollins. <laughs> um, Grill Marcus. Yes, Grill Marcus. It is for a nerd. It is a music nerd's. God, the the intro alone is just such a list of bands and albums, and it's music the way that a nerd appreciates it. Oh, I love stuff like that. I have so many little books like that that I've read. I love that. And it took me a long time to realize that Henry Rollins was a nerd, <laughs> but I'm there now. I, yeah. Uh, Okay, so Black Flag, absolutely. I I love. I I had no problem. I like. He's Chavo. definitely a we- he was definitely a weirdo. Yeah, that's for sure. Right. Uh, but In long then, long hair days, like he was our weirdo. Yeah. Like who is this guy who's obviously kind of a dork, but with long hair and who's totally ripped and wearing these shorts that are a little bit too small? Like, what is his <laughs> deal? And this is before he was quite as disturbingly ripped as he is now. But he did. He looked like Charles Manson. He looked like Charles Manson going jogging. Exactly. And then the solo <laughs> career, the solo yeah. career, I feel like amplified that. But then he then he started touring and doing spoken word, writing more. Yeah. Uh, he was in a movie recently. Uh, I could see him on Law and Order any day now. It he, makes he's sense. So he so needs to be on a Law and Order. He he's actually a really good actor. Is he? Yeah, I I'm trying. I'm looking up the name of this. Uh, Known for it. Lost Highway, what is he in Lost Highway? I guess uh, I'm going to send a free sound. This will be the reading version, but I'm going to send a free sample to my Kindle. <laughs> um, he never died. That was the movie I recently saw. Hmm. Uh, it, it is it, to me. It, it it demonstrates his acting chops. Um, I'll I'll add that to the show notes as well. Um, Good pick. Yeah. So if you're a music nerd, history of rock and roll and 10 songs, the audiobook read by Henry Rollins. We could do a whole show. You know what? Then I'm, I'm going to shift my list around and go straight to my book. Is that okay? Can yeah. Do my next one. Um, I, uh, I fell down a rabbit hole with the Sgt. Pepper remix in the last month or so, which is, um, you know, I've talked about this in many, many places, but like uh, if you enjoy the Beatles, I would say, and in, especially if you're like me and Sgt. Peppers is far from your favorite Beatles album. Go back, go and listen to that uh, remix that Giles Martin did. It is available on iTunes, or excuse me, on Apple Music. It's streamable uh, as part of your subscription. I imagine it's on Spotify. Uh, But that got me pointed at a book that I'm really enjoying. I'm only maybe, you know, uh, 20% into it, but it's called Beatles 66 The Revolutionary Year by Steve Turner. And it's a book, does what it says on the tin. It's a book of most that's basically everything that happened to the Beatles in 1966, starting with 65. Uh, and I think it is almost inarguably the most important year, the most important chronological year for the Beatles for all kinds of reasons. A lot happened, a lot tipped in 66. On the one hand, it was the end of Beatlemania in the conventional sense. They'd had it with touring. They said, that's it. Right? Right? So they, they'd put out Rubber Soul. They took some time off, developed their interests. Longest break they'd had, four months. They start 1966 off. And their relationships and breakups, but 
you know, it's the year when they recorded Revolver and started to record Sgt. Pepper and went through this uh, just a very tumultuous and important year. In some ways, it was the end of the beginning. In a lot of ways, it was the beginning of the end, 1966. John's very depressed. He's getting divorced. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's not for everybody. This is a real, a pretty nerdy book, but very well written and a lot of stories I hadn't heard before about all aspects of the Beatles, their music, their lives, their recording, uh, all that stuff. Beatles 66, The Revolutionary Year by Steve Turner. I would love to hear this read by Rollins. Um, yeah, he should, he should probably read everything. At what point did you become a Beatles fan? I became a Beatles fan when I visited my cousin's in Memphis, uh, they'd moved from Cincinnati to Memphis, and I went and visited them for a few weeks. The summer between my eighth and ninth grade, seventh and eighth, eighth and ninth. Is that right? I think that's right. Maybe between it might have been between seventh and eighth. I'm like, not. Sh- I'm not sure the distinction is relevant. Well, it is. It does. It becomes important because, yeah, the thing was, I think, I think it was after John Lennon died which was December of 80. The point is, though, that they were listening to a lot of prog rock and still like old British invasion stuff. They listened to a lot of Yes, they listened to a lot of Beatles. Got me into, you know, Abbey Road. But, I, you know, like I basically got a stereo for Christmas a couple of weeks after John Lennon died. No, you know, direct relationship there. But um, and then I started buying records at the grocery store. So, yeah, 1980, I was about 13, 14. And uh, it was uh, transformative for me. Mostly starting with like compilations. I think I had Abbey Road and then I had the Blue Album and the Red Album. But like I just got super into listening to the Beatles and talking about the Beatles. And it still crops up from time to time. I'm on a cycle now where like every about, you know, I don't know, maybe 18 months to two years, I go on another Beatles jag, rediscover stuff, learn new stuff, you know. And there's still new stuff to hear and learn about the Beatles. Like there's still stuff out there. They did so much during their time. Yeah. I mean, they were the world's most successful rock band, so obviously there's stuff about them. But yeah, they're a, a source of joy for me. That I so I won't go into depth, but like go gro- go go wherever you want. It's your show. Growing up, uh, rock and roll was of the devil. I, oh, of course. I did not. I found what I wanted to find. You know, I was I, I was not a good kid. Um, but like the Beatles were not the first thing I was going to, you know, sneak out to go buy. And what I had heard of them was the stuff my mom might have like danced to when she was a kid, uh, early, like very teeny bopper stuff. And, uh, I never really, I didn't have any context. Yeah. For and also, Beatles. I think for a lot of people, probably even your age that like, it felt like homework, like, Oh God, I guess it's that time in my life where I got to start listening to the goddamn Beatles. So my philosophy has become, if I don't like a band, if I, if I actually, even if I dislike a band, I am willing to say, I don't understand it. Not that I don't like it or not that it's not good. Uh, Dave Matthews band, fish, things like that. Like I don't have context for them. There's a very good chance that given the context, I could start to appreciate it's happened enough times to me. Yeah. Like, and it had, it happened with the Beatles in my thirties. Uh, sometimes it could be like you're on vacation and you're relaxed and you're open right. and you're in a new situation and it's not just your same car with the same smell and the same coffee and the same radio you're somewhere else and like something presents itself and you're like oh this is kind of cool and different than what i would normally like and i'm in a good mood this is going to be a thing i listen to and i'm not feeling pretentious and defensive about the musical identity i've you know worked so hard to build <laughs> right right, I, right right i'm working really hard to be more open in general but the beatles i i i did i got the context i needed you know 
eight years ago, and and I but the, I have the pleasure of it all being new to me. <laughs> so I have a lot. That's to learn. so cool. Yeah, it is. It's actually it's kind of fun. My whole life has been like that though. Like I I had to go find music because it wasn't just part of my life. So I got to kind. That of was a big part of our identity. I, I mean, I'll speak, I'll speak for both of us. Like what you listen to and the roads that it took you to get there became a huge part of like your bona fides and like how serious you were in whatever, you know, out group you were in. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So whose turn is it? It's your turn. Uh, You're my turn. for number two. Wait, All right. number, wait. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to be thematic. I'm reordering. Uh, my next pick is TuneFind uh, at TuneFind.com. It is. Oh, you talked about this. Yes. I could not believe I did not know this existed, and I could not believe that it had not existed previously. Basically, it's a we've way. We've always we've always needed this. Yes. Like without opening Shazam, you can look up the TV episode you're watching and see the whole soundtrack for it. You can see who was on a movie. Then you can look up a band and see what TV shows and uh, movies they've been featured in. So basically, anything you're watching and you hear a cool song. <laughs> and I recommend uh, going through Blacklist first season episodes. The soundtrack was amazing. Um, but yeah, like how many times have you heard a song in the uh, in the closing credits of a TV show and quick reach for your phone to find Spotify only to be too late and have to rewind? This oh, absolutely. Is, this is an amazing resource. <laughs> That's so good. Now I'm sitting here with little Scott Pilgrim. I was thinking about looking up either... <laughs> That Blur song, the Woohoo song, yeah. or uh, Walking on Sunshine. I just want to see every pharmaceutical commercial that Walking on Sunshine has ever been in. Dun, 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 dun. Are you still Do not uh, attempt. Should, Close course. Uh, Sympathy for the Devil somehow in the last five years became like the de facto song for any kind of uh, gangster, mobster, uh, gritty of any kind scene. Sympathy. Right. You can just start to hear those like bongo intro uh, and you know exactly what the mood is supposed to be. Oh, but yeah, like Urban Jungle. It must like, have... <laughs> yeah, right? No, no, I'm saying, though, like a post-Scorsese, it's a very Scorsese kind of song yeah. to have in a movie. I'd be curious to see where Concrete Jungle by The Special shows up. That's um, a good song. Oh, such a good song. The Specials, man. They were such an interesting band. Yeah. They're such a weird, such an interesting band. Well, Did they do the cover of Message to You, Rudy? That's them, right? They wrote Message to You, yeah. Do, I thought what, that was a cover. Was that a like a older <clears throat> song? I always attributed it to the special. Let me go look. Um, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> and Rudy 1967 got rock steady song by Dandy Livingstone. All right, I'm gonna have to go find that original now. <clears throat> There's some pretty good rock steady. You're a Spotify person, right? Yeah. Um, I'm an Apple Music idiot, um, but I I'm sure both. you have these too. Yes. Uh, oh, okay. There's some pretty good. I think Rocksteady deserves more attention in America. I don't mean to hijack the thing here, but like most people, everybody knows reggae. Mm. To my detriment, everybody knows fucking <laughs> reggae. Um, and then some people know ska, but Rocksteady is pretty, pretty neat. And it's kind of the, it's more than this, but it's the kind of the best of ska and the best of reggae. And just, it's just fun, like slightly upbeat two and four R&B music. And it's, it's a delight. That that is an intriguing description. I How like would you it. describe it? Well, you like be, ska better. You like the faster stuff. Not necessarily. Like they're old reggae. Like that's where ska came from. Ska took like the uptick of reggae. You know the. Mm, the I think muted that's upstroke. not orders. Not that. I think it's a different order. You're talking about like like next wave ska, like like specials types ska. Yeah, 
I think ska and when ska rock steady reggae ska comes back in the mid to late seventies. Yeah, yeah, but it's less. But rock steady has rock steady has more of that R and B feel to it. That, right. So like a song like that, like the tide is high, is a cover of a famous rock steady song that Blondie did. I I am going to have to do more research. You've opened a new wormhole <laughs> for me. I'm not a huge fan of reggae. Um, oh boy, am I ever not either. Ooh, <laughs> I heard that legend, whatever that Bob Marley greatest hits was, yeah. was just like that and Talking Heads was like the default music. Maybe Oh, sure. Any, any, just default music when I was Any in college. college kid, whether they are, uh, okay, back in my day, any college kid, whether they were a stoner or a jock, like you were, oh. there was a very good chance that not only would they own the record, Oh, there would yeah. be a poster on the wall. Is this love? Is this love? Ah, no, it's not. It is not love. It and is I w- me I will admit, s- seeking to harm. Because at, when I first started hearing Marley and and some of those those classic songs, I, some of them are great. Some of them yeah. are really, really, and really I didn't, great. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And so for me, it was associated very closely with time and environment. And so I have warm connections to quite a few of those songs, actually, especially yeah. like girls, like every girl I ever knew, uh, like I have connections with them through that album. Uh, but that's not to say that it's what I'm going to put on if I want I can to only take, sit back I can and only listen take, to music. To me, it's, it's like eating cilantro. Like, let's sprinkle a little bit of it onto the taco, <laughs> but I, I don't need a terrine of it. We're, we, we differ in that area. No, no, I know. Because cilantro or reggae? Cilantro. <laughs> Whether you're talking Thai or Mexican or any oh, kind of fusion, I boy. will. Here comes that cilantro guy. I've heard about you. Well, you know, like they have, they've done studies that show that uh, cilantro, I shouldn't say they, uh, there was one study. <laughs> the mainstream but, media? Big cilantro? <laughs> who? Well, they have shown that uh, that's different people taste cilantro differently. Oh, that's super interesting. And while one person uh, or one group of people would readily describe it as tasting like dirt, mm-hmm. another would describe it as a very like an herbal, uh, spicy, complimentary yeah, no, I, 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 flavor. So is, is it bitter? Is it yeah? Like different people. That, that's very interesting. I, I did not know that. Yeah, I, I I've stopped believing in studies in general. Oh, if someone yeah. says there are studies that show, I need to see. What studies? By whom? Like, were they peer reviewed? What it's journals not that did they different show from, up in? It's not that different from declaring what the gods say. It's like, well, how would I refute that? When you say a study says that, like, yeah. you got that abstract with you that you could show me? It's like, well, obviously, I can't contradict that if it's a study. Well, if <laughs> Zeus said it, it must be true. Well, like growing up for me in a very religious home, uh, the most common refrain was because God said so. Whatever question I had, because well, it's that in the old Bible, bumper sticker, God, God said, said so. it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Yeah. And, and that was a bumper sticker that was all over our church parking lot. <laughs> and you are absolutely correct. I feel uh, studies have come to be treated much the same way. <sighs> Don't blame me. I voted for Zeus. <laughs> Is that a real bumper sticker? Because it no. should be. I got, a, I got a weird one for you here. Uh, I think this is super interesting. This is not... How do I say... I love what this thing is trying to do, and I think it'll eventually get there. But right now, it is alternately like kind of interesting and very weird. It is called Exist.io. Are you familiar oh, with this? Totally. Uh, the one of the developers has been on this podcast. 
Oh, that's so cool. What? Well, yeah. Shame on me for not keeping up. Exist.io. <laughs> and so you talked about this, but just for folks who haven't heard, it's a website. It's the kind of thing I've really wanted for a long time, and I have to imagine Apple will do some of this in a better way soon. But essentially, you've got all this data out there in the world. You've got, in my case, I'm, I'm doing a full Ted Cruz here. I got an Apple Watch on my left wrist. I got my Fitbit uh, <laughs> HR something on my right wrist. Because sleep tracking, automatic sleep tracking, automatic sleep tracking. On, I don't have to think about it. On your it. Apple Watch or your... No, I, there's not, I mean, I yeah, like... Okay, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Auto sleep. Look up auto sleep. Uh, My is Apple that the Watch... one with the crazy clock face and then the little no, pie slices? No, no. It's right. simply an app that reads your health data and uses um, your pulse and your motion to right, determine when say you're asleep. Auto sleep. All right. It sounds like that one Federico likes that's really confusing. It, it doesn't even have a watch app. Okay. Like it just every morning right. it tells me you slept. Oh, I've, is this the one that guesses? Yeah. No, okay. All right. I'll, I'll try it. It works. I've tried these, and it thinks I sleep 13 hours a day. No, I don't. Mine has been 100% right. accurate. I will try auto sleep. Please put uh, that you in can notes. You can adjust sensitivities based yeah. on you know like how you actually move at night. Uh, one thing one thing I learned, though, from using David uh, underscore David Smith, where it says just Eric Usa calls him these days, David, quotation marks, underscore Smith. Uh, underscore David Smith has Sleep Plus Plus, which uh, which is a great, pretty brilliant hack. But one of the best pieces of advice I got from him was something I've learned is that you totally don't have to put your watch on the stand overnight. Yeah, like I don't it, you anymore. don't need to do that. When I wake up in the morning, now here you ready for this? Brett Terps, here's a life hack. If you're a, a watch wearer, you get up in the morning. Get up in the morning. <laughs> now I'm doing the Israelites. You get up in the morning, and uh, first thing you do. You hit the crown because, hey, Siri, doesn't really work. And you hit the crown and you say, remind me to get my watch in an hour. Could be 45 minutes, could be half hour. I would say an hour. Take off your watch. Ding. Put it on the stand thing. Put it back on. Later that night, like if you're going to cook dinner or you're going to take a shower, do it again for another half hour, 45 minutes. You're good to go. That's all you need to do. If you take it off twice a day when you take a shower or do whatever, like a low activity time, maybe TV time, you can totally sleep in your watch. I mean, I've got the most recent one, which helps a lot. I don't yeah, have the... It does. A lot of people I see on Slack report terrible battery degradation in uh, especially the Series Zero, I guess, edition. But that's why I do it. So, But here's the thing also. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't like having to do all this, but these are the two devices that end up covering the most data between my phone, my watch, and my Fitbit. But here's the thing. There's all of that data out there. Maybe, maybe you're somebody who is using... Rescue time. Maybe you're using any, there's so many different, I'm just telling this for your audience's benefit. I know you know this. But the thing is, there are all these silos of information. It's almost like the smart home environment where like people still have not really solved. HomeKit has come nowhere near solving the problem of all these islands. In some ways, it's made it worse because of their certification. Thank you for the security, but still. Exist.io. Yeah. You basically log in to... You basically say it, it will work. I believe now it does work with uh, Apple Health. But you give it access to various sets of data and say, which one of these access uh, points of data, collecting data, which one should I use for this kind of thing? Which one should I use for that kind of thing? So that's kind of cool. These, these have existed before. So it becomes a hub for pulling in all that information on the regular. But then the really interesting part, what they're trying to do, I think what they're struggling with, somewhat mightily sometimes is to find patterns. Let me watch how your data, this is really all I care about is how the, how the data changes and what it means. What am I doing differently and didn't realize? 
What should I be doing differently that I can't realize? Tell me, you've got the data. And so Exist.io goes in and watch, just looks at your stuff for a while. It may not tell you much for a while, but after I think usually about a month, I'm several months in now, it tries to draw conclusions that correlate, make fine, strong correlations between two different sets of data. So, you know, and we'll get into this, we can get into the silly ones, but there are ones that really try to say things like, you know, you get more workouts in a day when you woke up less during the night. You tend to walk more when it's sunny out. You gain weight after it's been rainy. Like whatever, the, like you take more flights of stairs on days when you do longer workouts. And so this, this goes into two, it's like three areas. There's the like super potentially interesting, there's the slightly silly, and then there's the hilariously ridiculous, how did you come up with this kinds of ones. But I said too much, but that, that gives you a feeling for this. It, it's a hub for all of your activity stuff. It's a website, it's an app. Uh, it's a dessert topping and a floor wax. And then it, then it tries to draw, draw conclusions over time. And I think they're tweaking that. So you have used this. What is your thought on Exist.io? I have used it for over a year now. And so the, this whole quantified self idea, do you remember Slogger? I remember all of them. And I remember <laughs> how much it was basically like having Excel, like go enter all, or things like Datum. It was right. an amazing site so, for tracking. But it was all stuff where like you had to go and punch in that you didn't smoke cigarettes today or whatever. Well, like Slogger, like I wrote Slogger because it we were putting all of that social data out there every day and it would pull it together into like day one journal entries, but it couldn't quantify anything. And, uh, like the, the correlations are, I actually have an app idea. I haven't started working on it yet, but I have discussed with multiple medical professionals who think that it, it the idea of being able to combine all of these sources of data from your watch and your Fitbit and your, even your social media, your listening habits. Uh, uh, do you do um, manual entries in Exist where you like rate your day and add a note? I do. I'm somewhat undependable about what that criteria is. I, I've sometimes yeah. wondered if I should do it at the end of the day instead of when I wake up. Because there's a lot of magical thinking that goes into guessing how good my day is, but <laughs> but but I'm there with you. I mean, I want to see what all of this means. Like you right. listen to fewer podcasts when your heartbeat, or like when you're getting. I want to see all of it. Just go find all the stuff. The ultimate goal that we could want out of any of this stuff is to find invisible patterns that we didn't know. Exactly. Existed. So for me, anything beyond 48 hours, I don't make correlations. Uh, if I get a crappy night's sleep, I. I will look in the last 48 hours, what did I do? But if I have the data, you know, like all of the data, I can start to trace patterns that go back further to see how I got to a night where I only slept four hours, even though I went to bed on time. And I can see like, what, what, what was my diet and, and exist can't When did you, and like, and when do we get to the point where it knows how much coffee I drank without having to put in exactly how many ounces of which brand? And that's, that's what I'm working on to make that easier. Because like for a psychiatrist who wants to, uh, work with a patient's medication and all you have to go on is what that patient reports. Mm -hmm. Nobody, (laughs) I don't care how sane you are. Nobody is going to draw the correlations and understand what information needs to be reported. And no doctor is going to put together all that random information and say, oh, here's what's actually happening. Here's the adjustment we need to make. Like that kind of information. Versus the kind of data you get from something like automatic. 
the the dingus and the service for tracking your driving. Yeah, I have like, that as well. It's you know that's like rescue time for your car. It's like well here's rescue time is like it's an app that watches what you do on your Mac, and so you know hey this is the kind of person I think I am. This is the kind of person I assume or imagine that I am. But believe me, buddy, rescue time will tell you. You, you can think actually. You're not, you can actually. Yeah, draw you think you're not a dangerous driver? Let automatic tell you how dangerous of a right. driver you are. You, you can draw correlations in my life between days that I have the most hard accelerations and hard brakes, and how many Twitter posts I have, and <laughs> how I rated my day at the end. Like just that data, you can you can draw correlations. You can add in what music I was listening to that day, how many tracks I played. You can add in. What I, what I need is you can add in diet. Like I really need to see uh, that needs that sugar. needs to get so much faster because you, it's one of the first things in my experience. It's very easy to just go man screw yep, that. That and that is exactly where this app idea I have comes in is just making it easy enough that it's something you can actually collect valid data on and, and they have time. sliders one thing they do and i think they, i really think i first of all i believe in these folks i think what they're doing is interesting but it does have a lot of problems and one thing that's interesting that it does if this were worked better in practice it would be super impressive right now it's mostly interesting in theory is that when it finds a correlation uh it will give you uh some factors it'll say for example that you get more steps when it's a Thursday. Now, that's four stars of confidence, but 17% related. Now, some of the easier ones to glean, maybe perhaps unsurprisingly, you get more steps when you, you climb more floors. <laughs> well, you get more steps when you climb more floors. And it's like, well, okay, that's true. Like, it's like you get more, there's more sunshine when there's more sunshine. Uh, you know, but, but I love that idea of relatedness and confidence, Right. And in some cases, in this one, you get more steps when you wake up earlier. It says this is common. Getting up earlier probably means a busier day. A busier day means more steps. So they try to explain some of these things. But, you know, and I would love to get in some of the silly ones. But there's <laughs> but here's another thing. Here's one. Here's one. You don't even need correlations. Get ready for this. It goes in and it tells you your averages. So you think you think you know who you are. OK, well, you tell me, why do I awaken an average of 17 times per night on a given Monday night versus nine times on a Wednesday night? Yeah. I'm not sure why. I, I should really I should find out why. Why is it I get 53 floors on two on most Tuesdays because I live in a hilly area. I get 53 floors of elevation in on a Tuesday, and I get 28 on a Saturday. I can tell you because I sit on my ass a lot Saturday and Sunday. But I'm just saying you go in and look at these, and then of course it gets a little silly because length of the day as an average not super useful. Maximum temperature and wind. In this case, not super useful. But there are patterns that emerge here that are just just patently like, what does that mean? And what caused it to be that way? Yes. There's so much data that we are collecting. And if an exists is, is getting very close. But if we can uh, conglomerate, uh, combine. Uh, oh, I know, I know what you're going for here. Uh, if you can, like, not concatenate. Unify. Conjoin. We'll go Gather. with enjoy. Yeah, if you can put it all together, there are pictures to be painted that we don't know about ourselves. That and you can't know. You can't know. Right. You, you're guessing how things are going. But like, imagine getting to a place where it's like, you know, um, like you drink more milk like when it's a, like, like when you're sad or something. Like these right. kinds but of things were like, it'll. extra data that says mm -hmm. here's why. You know, like it personalized, like you could do a study and say people drink more milk when they're sad. 
but there's a lot more data that you have to pull in. There's so many variables. And if you can collect it all, yep. you can actually make those correlations that help people figure out what to change. And then it's not just correlations per se. It's bigger, longer patterns. Yeah. Like imagine like like now it's it's not just about how you felt this month. It's basically about like why why did this Christmas go the way that it did? I mean, <laughs> there's all kinds of things that you could be pulling out of this. Yes. I just sent you one of my favorites. Um, you wake more during sleep when it's windier. You spend more time in Washington, D.C. when the days are longer. (laughs) (laughs) I was in, my family and I were in D.C. for four days. Uh, I guess as the days were getting longer. (laughs) Yeah. But... Well, and I that's, have, I have that's hopes the for thing this. with data. It's it's statistics, you know, like you can you can draw different conclusions based on how you compare the data. Yeah. I, but, you I know, it'd be have fun to have two sliders that. where you could do your own like level of confidence. Like give me the most super interesting thing that you found and surprising thing, even if it's only two stars of confidence. You know what I mean? It's kind of cool to be able to like play with those. Yeah. And then to say like and then to me, I mean, there's, this is actionable. Not in a legal sense, but in the sense of like, okay, guess what? I just found this pattern that seems to keep happening, which is that every January you are a big fat ass. Like, or, and, and so, uh, because maybe Christmas, but find not once I find a pattern like that, <clears throat> let me work to figure out how to alter that and then watch, then have like a whole second graph of like, how am I doing on this thing that I'm trying to do differently? Yeah, keep tracking that big view. But also now let's really zoom in on that and say like, what are the behavioral changes I need to make? And then further down, what effect will that have in other places that I didn't expect? You know, understand that life is an engineering problem. And when I move these things around, like it has to have an impact. My God, we've been doing this for an hour and a half. Yeah. Okay, sorry. That's okay. Um, I'm always, I'm always, I'm always, you know, the long ones. You know what? I I enjoy that. Yeah, I do too. So, my last pick, and honestly, like I have so much more to say about quantification of life data. Let's let's circle back when you're ready. Um, So my last pick, though, I'm so tempted to change this to mood notes, but um, we're gonna go with screens four. Oh, Jiminy! So uh, what? What a piece of work that thing is. Yeah, so VNC programs are there. You can see a remote computer and use its desktop. Uh, Apple has a default one, Apple Remote Desktop. Uh, VNC is a kind of generic protocol for this. Uh, Screens does an amazing job. It's available for Mac and iOS. Uh, The speed, the the new version, the speed, the lack of latency, the uh, recognition of Facebooks and uh, SSH logins and things like that makes it a joy to use. I am. And they've added uh, things that Apple Remote Desktop had, but other apps didn't. Things like drag and drop file transfer between your desktop and this window showing a remote desktop. I uh, I run headless minis at my house to... Uh, act as basically media servers, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. storage controllers. And you don't, you don't, wouldn't want to leave a screen hooked up to that, right? Right. Yeah. They're headless. Uh, it, it, it's pointless for me to have like a whole workstation for it. It can just sit in a closet <laughs> as a, a single box. And then I can use uh, remote uh, like VNC applications and screens has been good. Screens 4 has it been discovers, amazing. It discovers local 
Uh, like if you've got it on several Macs and it'll discover it on the same network. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the one that's, <clears throat> I mean, the, the overriding, like, here's how to get this thing is like using this on a pretty good, like modern iPad is really surprisingly good. It's surprisingly robust, especially if you just need to do some little tasks. Like it's, you know, there's some latency, but like it, you're to go from like, it occurs to you, you need to, in my case, it occurs to me, I need to do something back on my iMac without wanting to go to the office. The, the time from that occurs to me to I take out my iPad and I start doing it, 30 seconds, maybe, yeah. maybe. Because here, this is one of the killer features is you can go in and enter your creds for that. You can have, so basically you have a touch ID in my case to like unlock it. When it comes up, you pick the screen that you want. I love this so much. You click it, it takes a second, and then your login screen appears. There's a share arrow at the lower right-hand corner. So you can click to bring up a keyboard, or you can click the share arrow. You stick your fat thumb on that share arrow and hold it. It automatically inserts your password your, your password to log in. You don't have to enter it manually if it's stored. Yeah. That's, it's, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, trying to type over a remote connection on an iPad <laughs> keyboard is not a huge amount of fun. So like, you can't even really get in. It's going to be frustrating to do that. Yeah, you can also you can also I believe I haven't I bought the upgrade for this even though I haven't done it yet I believe you can be using your iPad as the screen, and I believe you can choose to be using your iPhone as a touchpad. That I haven't tried. Let's look it up. I I like most of my websites run on a Mac Mini located in Las Vegas via Mac Mini Colo, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mac Stadium, and. Um, I can log in and adjust settings at SSL certificates, things like that from my iPad. If I suddenly, if I get a note from Pingdom that my site is down, uh-huh. I can, I can log into the remote, uh, mini and it's from my iPad in bed. I mean, you're Keanu Reeves. That's crazy. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. What yeah. a great, that, I mean, you know, and again, this is one of those, I'm going to put this up there with, uh, I don't know. I don't know the folks at this company super well, but I'm going to, in my headcanon, I'm going to put this up there with Omni Group and Agile Bits in terms of the like, wow, thank God, or panic, thank God you people are still around trying this hard. (laughs) It's so easy (laughs) to not try this hard. And thank you to these companies for making a suite of apps for Mac and iOS. What's the company? Is it Adovia? Yeah, I think that's right. E-D-O-V-I-A. Yeah. And it just does what it says on the tin, man. It's like, this is magic. You're using your Mac on your iPad. I, I think for the same kind of probably potentially nefarious things you're using it for. I do it for that all the time. <laughs> sometimes sometimes cherry pie crashes. I have to restart the process. But like, you know, uh, but a lot of times it's just I need to move something. Like I, when I'm using my MacBook Adorable at home, I only have like two or three uh, folders turned on in Dropbox for obvious reasons. And sometimes it'll just be easier for me to just go, if I want to send my friend a file, a movie, a, you know, a podcast, something, it's so much easier for me to just go in with screens and just drag it into Dropbox. It's yep. the best. So Good I would picks. also, I would mention as an aside that uh, Screens 4, if you have set app, is, uh, it's already on your computer. Uh, you can just go try it out. If you don't have set app... Should I be using that set app? I am... I'm a huge fan because I have an app on it and I oh, make money. Oh, you. So, so right. that, that as full disclosure, I would also say that there have been so many times that I've thought, 
oh, I really want to use that app, and then found out it's already part of set app. There's an amazing... Oh, wow. You get all of these for $10 a month? Yeah, for 10 bucks a month. So it, so it takes a subscription I've bought like, model. I've bought like 10 of these apps. Right. You've already paid for multiple years. Gemini, Clean My Mac, Every Marked. <laughs> uh, uh, iThoughts HD, or iThoughts oh, X. Oh, that's dynamite. That is and, dynamite. And yeah, so it is, in my opinion, it, it's a solution to... The subscription model, like right, put Andrew, it in there. Developers are 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 trying really hard to I know. to find a way to make it possible to continue development. You know, instead of providing free upgrades forever to someone who paid ten bucks for your app five years or ago, or making uh, white guy screamy face king games where you buy <laughs> coins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and this is it's a model that to me it has a future uh the the start the launch hasn't been as as big as hoped mm -hmm. but i still have great faith in the idea behind this well you know what i will sign up for this that was a good program i think we helped a lot of people we didn't talk about dogs or your yoga gloves <sighs> another time another time a follow-up episode you take. did say any time so you know what? I'm on the hook now. You're right. Should I, should, that was that was poor thinking. Now I'm going to be busy, not merely time constrained. Oh God. Oh, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, man. I uh, I enjoy your program, and I, I I love you, and I use your stuff all the time. I'm just I've got two of your apps open almost all the time on all my computers, plus the services. I mean, gonna, I just Envy Alt and Marked are just running like a ton of the time. That was going to be my guess. If someone's going to have two of my apps open. Plus, I got your services, dude. It's all about the services. It's all about cleanup table. Oh, come on, man. I got I'm, I'm working on a screencast for Searchlink because, honestly, I think it's the best thing I've ever made. It's pretty... It's pretty... It's, it's like learning FFmpeg from the command line. Not quite uh, that. Like, it's actually super it. easy. I think people okay. just haven't quite figured out... Like I get right now, screens four. I can highlight it on my screen, hit a shortcut key, and it's Markdown linked with an affiliate tag. Do it. Push it out. Push it out. Let's Working see on it. it. All right. Well, thanks. That would be episode one ninety five with Merlin Mann. Uh, thanks again, Merlin, and we'll see everybody in a week. Bye.